0: Welcome back to the 3F Podcast. As always, your host, Timothy Clayton Cornell, and returning guest, Jared. How's it going, man? Tim, it's going good, buddy. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Well, before we get started, I have to have the age-old tradition for the show. Are you drinking anything special today?
1: Yeah, I'm drinking uh, water.
0: Every guest has water, and hopefully one day my guest will learn that you've got to have a Zevia. I've got the cream soda flavor. I still have received zero dollars and Zero Free Zevia is from the company, but I am working at getting that
1: sponsorship. You know, I will let you have all the Zevia. I have tried every flavor they offered, and I just, I can't do it, man. <laughs>
0: I respect it. It's not for everybody, but also a special shout out to Huckle, Isagenix, Rugby Department. Thank you guys as the show sponsors. So welcome back, Jared. I know last time we talked about some of the the mental fortitude and everything about transitioning from the military. And now I feel like we kind of get to talk about the other piece of that tonight with what you transitioned
1: to. Yeah. Thinking back, it's been almost uh, a, well, at the time of recording this, it's been almost a year. Exactly. Um, to that last episode. So yeah. Um, what am I doing these days? Too much. Um, <laughs> currently the uh, national sales manager for a software company based in Oklahoma. Um, And, uh, yeah, kind of still whittling away at my degree. Um, Changed my major from uh, wildlife resource management, ecology, uh, to business. Um, You know, once I'm done with that, I'll end up rolling it into a master's. But, but yeah, man, we, uh, it's been a while.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, so you transfer into this national sales manager position, which, uh, also, pretty big jump into the national sales manager position. Um, but the reason I wanted to bring you on today, so everyone knows, is uh, Jeff may join us on the call later tonight, but I myself am transferring into a sales position, so I felt like a lot of people are getting into sales. There's essentially no salary cap in a sales position, especially if you're compensated well. So I wanted to bring J- uh, Jared on to ask some real good questions about you know entering the sales world um, maybe some of the transitions that have the skills. So why did you choose to go into a sales position whenever you left the military?
1: You know, it's, it's, it's funny you ask it like that. It, it wasn't a, a uh, black and white transition. Um, i I to join in the air force. I actually worked uh, when I was in high school, uh, I worked as an account sales rep for Hewlett Packard. Uh, I was part of their um, field marketing team Um so I, I worked, it was a B2B partnership with all the retail stores, and then I uh, did a lot of B2C sales through that. Also worked for a paintball airsoft shop, um, you know, really helped build out the airsoft department there. And uh, so that was kind of, you know, what I cut my teeth on. I didn't do fast food. I didn't do, um, you know, day labor or manual labor uh, jobs when I first got into the uh what do you call that? The the, workforce. the working class. Yeah, the workforce. Yeah, now, yeah. So, let's do some goofy stuff tonight. It's because I came off of a uh, trade show. Um, we got back yesterday from uh, a very fast paced and productive show in Texas. So, um, yeah, man. So coming out of the military is one of those things. Trying to you know, go through the whole vocational rehab thing. Um, you know, really get my legs literally underneath me again, and then. Running right around, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and uh, one thing led to another, and situation in my life changed. And uh, you know, I, I, I interned with the company prior to starting um, with them last summer, and you know that internship was great, um, a lot of fun. At the point, you know, we were still technically a startup, so it was one of those things where uh, there was no handheld. Uh, or hand holding, and my hand was was not held. I got to really apply a lot of things that I, I knew and and quickly learned what I didn't know. Um, it's, uh, you know, productive. So, a bit of a wild west, right? Um, you know, situation changed personally and professionally. Uh, and then last summer, I started as a um, territory manager for RFX, um, which is something I'm with now. Moved on up to regional account manager and then um, through some restructuring. And then now I'm the national sales manager um, and over uh, the primary sales function for the company. So you had a little bit of sales experience
0: uh, from internships before you joined the military and then you get medically separated uh, involuntarily at the time or originally, and then end up being a, a blessing from other conversations you and I have had. But mm-hmm. what was maybe some other people such as, as myself or Jeff, who are leaving the military that they don't realize may be skills to get into sales careers. So,
1: man, that's, that's a loaded question, bro. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, And it's, it's interesting, right? So I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, You know, if anybody, any of your listeners are on LinkedIn, look me up, Jared Kerwin. Uh, and I know you and I are connected on there and connected with Jeff and what I can tell you is, is you're going to get a lot of noise and depending on the market that you're in, um, you know, your consumer base, um, the industry that you're in even, you know, plays a huge factor in this, um, will determine on how you sell. Now, there are some products that, and services that you don't necessarily need a huge human touch. Um, you know, there's the ability to sign up and not ever talk to a human being and, you know, get a subscription, like think Disney plus on yeah. prime. Right. the only time you talk to a real person at Amazon is when there's an issue. Um, but then there's other things, right? Like buying a car, even with Carvana and services like that, you still have a human touch, and that right there is the key. Anytime you're doing something like software sales, tech sales, healthcare, um, you know, Department of Defense, military sales, like big equipment sales, those typically are uh, are forged, and those deals are made and closed. With human to human interaction, so it all depends on the industry and and what line of of work you're getting into.
0: Yeah, and was there a certain time where you realized that there was a better position for you to be in sales than in other strategies, like such
1: as B two B manager? So, with my company right now, we are B two B. You know, we partner with our um, you know ideal customer. Uh, which is uh, at the facility level and you know our end users are people so the biggest thing to that right in in terms of b2b and b2c if i'm understanding the question correctly b2c sales you know again depending on the product and service that is um it it is what it is i guess you know when we talk like best buy if you go into best buy and you're shopping for a computer you're going to talk to you know, one of the uh, the blue shirts there, you're going to ask some questions, they're going to give you some answers. But the majority of people that go in to buy technology, especially with the way the internet is and how information's spread right now, the um, you know, majority of people go in knowing what they already want, especially guys that are millennials or Gen Z. Um, but when we talk about, you know, B2B, when you're doing B2B sales, that human element is extremely important. So, we're talking like insurance. If I'm selling life insurance, right? Your outbound is going to be immense and it's all about that relationship, right? And through that conversation you have as a human being to another human being, person to person, that's how they're going to want to do business with you. It becomes a, a relationship built on trust and communication. Same thing in healthcare, right? Like whether you're doing, um, you know, equipment sales, uh, or you're selling implants, doing stuff where you're actually scrubbing in and you're in the OR, right? Especially you're in like orthopedics and you get your total knee, your total hip, total shoulder implant, guys. They're actually handing parts to the surgeon and the team there. So, you know, there's a huge level of trust uh, that, that goes along with that individual being there in that sterile space. In the case of software, right? When well, you look at software companies that are succeeding in this industry that I'm in and currently competing in, and it, you can automate it. Like you can automate certain things, but the emails, most of the emails that we send out um, from like a one-on-one standpoint, demo follow-up, stuff like that, right? They're personalized emails. Um, even if we use a template, there's still a level of personalization involved with that. Every time we're on the phone, we have certain talk points we hit on. We have certain, um, you know, things that we say to stay on brand with brand messaging. But this, at the same time, right, like those conversations are between you know, one-on-one, me and the admin, me and, me and the decision maker, right? Uh, just as if you and I were talking, right? Because at the end of the day, people want to do business with people that they can rely on, that they can trust. Um, and you can't, there's no AI out there yet that can replace that, right? So, and anybody that tells you otherwise, anybody that says that, you know, this AI can, you know, increase your outbound, I mean, that's great. Um, you know, if I have an SDR that makes 100 phone calls a day, but he has a conversion percentage of, 2% to a demo. I don't want that guy on my team. Right? I want the guy who can do 50 calls a day and convert, you know, 25 of them to an engagement and of those 25, and of those are a demo. That's the guy or gal that I want on my team. So, with you guys getting into the industry, whether that's a B2C or a B2B, um few big takeaways on that is the personal touch and then the other one's to be hungry. Uh it's a grind. Especially in insurance sales, which our conversation we had is what you were getting into, right?
0: Uh yeah, well the first thing to be certified as a financial advisor the position I took is insurance sales, but there's uh securities and exchange as well for uh not just life insurance, but retirement planning, short-term mutual funds, stocks, bonds, annuities. There's a there's a lot more that goes into it. So a lot more B2C that I'd have to be prepared for.
1: Yeah, Jeff, you uh you had a sales job that you were running for a little bit and you're trying to break into healthcare now, right?
2: hey yeah so just wanted to say hi everybody run into some technical difficulties at first um but yeah um so no initially that that first job was insurance uh telemarketing basically behind the phone no face to face um and now what I'm doing is I'm actually uh going with a company that does industrial gases um uh, so basically liquid nitrogen oxygen things like that so it'll be selling the the tanks like the storage units basically for those liquids. Um, and that's a B2B type of role. Are you going to be
1: beaten feet on that or is it going to be mostly, uh, phone calls and emails with uh, level discovery and prospecting?
2: Uh, lots of just my own dis- like research discovery, uh, cold calls, um, hmm more really showing up to the businesses than anything else uh, with all the marketing material and everything like that. Um, I already went on a ride along for it. And it's going to be a lot of driving and personally showing up, showing your face, you know, representing the company and having that conversation of, hey, what do you have? Uh, What do you need versus what Mm -hmm. maybe what we can help them with? Right on, man. You excited? Oh, I'm super excited. I can't wait. So I'm heading, actually uh, heading over to Georgia in uh, about four days. Had to reschedule, but uh, we're going to Georgia in about four days and spending the week with the new team, meeting the regional manager and all that, and uh, going on another ride along in that territory and seeing what that's about. So, yeah, super excited.
1: Heck yeah, dude. Wish you luck on that, man. Yeah, the uh, the prospecting, the outbound, that is there's an art to that you know some people are really good at that some people struggle with that i'll be honest with you uh for me you know i would say that i'm I'm good at that but that was de- that's definitely not an area that I'm like that's not one of my like strengths if i if you will um I definitely love the doing the demos doing the product demonstrations love uh you know doing follow-up uh, really working the deal working the close. but uh in terms of prospecting man like there's, it's definitely an art so and and it's a lot easier to get in front of someone um it's a lot harder for them to say no but uh definitely when you're in front of someone you know it's it's a lot easier to to get their attention to hold their attention versus just picking up the bottom as you know yeah.
2: yeah so yeah when you when you're on the phone you uh you can't sound robotic when you're when you're trying to cold call on the phones. You can't sound mechanical. You can't sound robotic. You need to sound sharp and you need to sound like a person who they're interested in listening to. You have like 10 seconds to get somebody's attention on the phone and maybe a couple minutes to keep it. So um, you got to be a really good opener and closer uh, on the phones. But that, that's I got really good at it. But that's what I like about this new job is it's more customer facing. Um, I am very good at building relationships face-to-face. And I prefer that. I go. prefer to shake your hand and I prefer to meet you and, and things of that sort. So it's, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting ride. And I'm I'm just very excited about it. Honestly.
1: Well, I'm excited to hear how that goes for you, man. Yeah. I feel
0: Thank like, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to catch you off. I just said, I, I feel like the personal connection in sales uh was an art lost over the last eight to ten years, maybe even longer, and that's coming back really heavy. People want in-person reps. They don't want to just go online and search anymore because there's so many different things out there and they're all offering the same product. They really care about the person behind it and who's okay. going to be the one that's managing their program rather than uh, just a cold call or just a call support center that they would rather pay a little bit of a premium to have a, a person they build a relationship with.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I uh, I can think of some use cases, you know, in the last like six months where you know, I was on the receiving end of a phone call or a, a cold knock and you wouldn't think this, you know, being a, uh, you know, sales guy that I would be approached by other salespeople um, almost on the daily uh, with other things. And even our CEO, um, you know, it's, it's funny because like uh, she'll actually pass around like emails that she gets. Some sales people to be like, if you ever sound like this, you're gonna, you and I are going to have a conversation type deal. If your team ever sounds like this, your team ever do, does that, right? Like that's not okay. That like, look how tacky this is. Right. Um, And on and, and one hand, that's one of the things that you got to be cognizant of is like, these people are judging me. They don't know me. They don't owe me anything. But like on the inverse, when you're on the phone or you're talking to somebody, you've really got to assert yourself um, in a way where you don't give them an out. you, you pitch it to them so that they don't realize that they can say no. But also at the same time, right, you want them, as Jeff said, to be hooked, to be invested in what you're saying. And the biggest piece with that too is you know, as you're talking to somebody, be it in person or over the phone, you gotta make them laugh. If you can make somebody laugh, you got them. Um and, and and I'll even go so far as to say this man if you're having a conversation with someone and they drop a swear word, game over, right? Like They're in your pocket. Um, that means that they're completely disarmed, they're completely relaxed. Now, if they're like a you know blue collar or they're you know the local yokel and um and all that jazz, and they start cussing and cussing and cussing and cussing. Okay, well, that's the exception, not the not the rule there. Um other things too, man, like when we go to I just want to talk about like this trade show that we just got back from. You know, we're out there, we're having conversations with people. We're one of the few vendors there that is not actually selling. Um, you know, we just want to meet people. You know, show support for the the organization that's putting this on. You know, and as a result, we had you know sixty percent conversion um, from cold unknown leads to, you know, you know very quality um, leads with potential to convert to uh, to a, to close. And what's great about that is. A, we did that organically. We did that through personal relations, um, but it also allows us as a company to really just spread the brand and to, you know, convince people of who we are as we're arriving authentically. That we're here to do something within an industry that is a atypical of what our competitors are doing, what other people are doing, and, and we're really kind of reinventing the way things get done, um, both from a sales standpoint, from a, you know, implementation standpoint, I mean, the wholesale cycle, you know, we're really breaking, breaking the mold on this because again, you talking, things are changing. They are. Um, and with that people have different expectations. So, you know, gone are the days of, you know, paying everything up front for a service. You know, people want subscription now. People want, you know, the ability to leave. They want the ability to not have all this risk, um, and all this capital tied up in something that they ultimately end up don't using or regret buying, so you know it's, it's, it's interesting that you actually brought that up, but in, in the case of these two use cases, right? So I've been having some spider issues, right? And you, you know the, the guys that go around on the, the little scooters, little segways, and they start knocking on doors, um, well, in my mailbox, I've gotten like 10 of these little flyers over the last couple months, and uh, you know, I see the guys coming around spraying my neighbor's houses, and if I catch one of them, I'm like, "Hey, you got a card, you got a brochure right?" And I go look up pricing. Well, there's one guy' knocking on my house. And answered it through the, uh, the ring camera. I was like, hey, man, come back, you know, after five. I can't come to the door right now. He's like, all right. Didn't think he was going to come back. He comes back at seven, knocks on my door. I'm literally the last stop he does that day. He gives me this pitch. You can tell he was uh, discouraged. His heart wasn't completely in it. And I looked at him and I go, tell me, buddy, no BS. How's your day been? He's like, well, um, it's been good. You know, I, I filled up. Almost all of my queue, and you know things are going great, and you know it was, it was a productive day. He's like, "I'm just, I'm beat." I was like, "All right, well, let me hear your pitch." Um, but this time, you know, tell me what you're going to offer for me, and and why I should choose you over everybody else. And he kind of paused for a second, and he like gets real serious, you know, fixes himself, gives it to me again. I was like, "All right, cool." I was, and he's like, "You're a sales guy, aren't you?" I'm like, oh, I am. And uh, you know, we got talking a little bit about it, and ultimately I ended up signing up for the service right there. I told him, I was like, aren't you glad you came back? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, sometimes it takes more than one touch to get a a flows right? And he goes, absolutely. I was like, so the biggest thing here, man, is you got to stay hungry, you got to stay engaged. And he ended up asking me some advice, and that was the advice I gave him right there. Um, But the other piece about it, too, is he didn't lead in with the fact that they were a local business, and they were literally like right down the street. Um, But I told him, I was like, you should lead in with that sometime. Because people want to support local, especially in the community where I'm at right now. The other use case didn't end in a sale for the guy, though. And here's why. He called me selling life insurance, all right? Now, Jeff, if this uh, starts making your skin crawl with frustration, it should because this guy did everything wrong. So, he calls me. I got the guy's name. I will just call him Billy. So, Billy calls me. He's like, hey, my name's Billy. I'm with blah, 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 blah. the Florida area code. I'm like, all right, hey, Billy. Hey, do me a favor, dude. Um, I'm going to give you my email address. Send me the information. Give him my email address. He read it back to me. Everything was right. Send me the information. And then I want you to call me in seven days. Call me at 4 p.m., which is 5 p.m. Eastern time. We confirmed he was on the East Coast. Call me at 5 p.m. your time, 4 p.m. my time on this day. And I will answer the phone. Okay. Didn't send me the email. I asked him to send me Had no information on it. He doesn't call me on the day that I asked him to call me. He calls me the next day on my lunch and he hits me with the same sales pitch. I was like, Hey man, we spoke last week. You never sent me the email. I asked you to send me. You didn't call me yesterday. Like I told you to call me when I told you I was available. I'm not available right now. Like I answered the phone because I thought you were one of my clients. He's like, Oh, we're going to call you this evening. I go send me that email and then. Call me in seven days. Read read the email address. All that thing. Did the whole song and dance again. He calls me five days later. At the time I asked him to call me, but two days early. Still didn't send me the email. I said, hey, dude, I'm not interested in your services. I'm not going to tell you a third time. Right? You could have had a sale because I'm actually shopping for life insurance right now. Yeah, so just, think
0: about that. So many uh, executions that he could have fixed along the way, and and had something set for himself, but uh, he didn't listen to the needs of his customer. Didn't have the. I mean, did he even apologize about missing his original call time or anything like that? I honestly don't remember. Uh, I kind of slept I, since then. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm I'm willing to bet he didn't do it right. <laughs>
2: no. So can I? Can he basically did what? Um, what my company does, right? So it's like a telemarketing or what they did telemarketing life insurance sales. So you're going to go online, you fill out a form. And then like literally the next day you're going to get blasted with like 500 phone calls. Um, a lot of those guys, so I'll tell you just legit the way it is you're in a call center, right? A lot of these guys. And, um, you start off with the licensing in the state that you got licensed in first, right? You get that call list, so normally how it goes is you got 10 newbies on the sales floor calling all the same clients, spamming, spamming, spamming them the whole day. The CRM allows you to take notes, right? Mm-hmm. But the issue is a lot of these guys, the way you're trained in these telemarketing type of environments is it's it's a one call close. If you're not closing them in this one call, spam them and spam them and spam them until you can get them to close the the sale on that on that one attempt if not don't bother sending any emails don't email any brochures because they're not going to buy that's how they train you what they fail to realize is is that a lot of your clientele is really busy working people and you're going to hit up a lot of sales people as well um so they they don't do that whole touchback. They don't do the whole email. Uh, they don't do the follow-up very well. You're just a number on a list that you have to dial of 300 clients, and you have to get a certain amount of talk time, and that's it. That's all you are, and that's why he didn't listen to you because he bought into that philosophy of mm-hmm. doesn't matter what they say or whatever, follow this script, call as many of these guys as you can, double, triple dial. They don't buy today. Screw it. Call them again tomorrow. Call them again whenever, whenever you get back to it. That's it. That's it. They're, they're digging for gold. That's it.
1: They're, but how's the expression go? They are stepping over dimes to chase dollars. Yep. And unfortunately, hey, they're burning a lot of potential leads with that. So You know, you can't change that culture. You can't change something that's been doing that for the last, you know, 30 years or however long that whole racket's been going on for. Um, But, you know, as you guys get into sales, you know, TJ, I know you've got the entrepreneurial bug. Jeff, I know you're constantly evolving and looking for different careers. And, you know, it sounds like you found a good one. I know a couple of people that work for that company that you're you're working with and they love what they do. So, um, you know. Your mileage may vary, but as far as I know, at least in the state where those guys live, which it's not your part of the country, you know, quality of life is pretty good with that entity. But as you guys, you know, get promoted and and, and move on up in leadership, man, like that's that's one of those things where, or, you know, when you're hiring people, the culture that your founder, that your CEO sets, it trickles down. I mean, we both, I mean, all three of us saw that in the military. Um, and once that culture Kind of gets set. It's very hard to break it, and I and, and you know I'm I think it's extremely tacky and unprofessional to you know talk negatively about you know other businesses, um, especially in the same industry, especially those that you know are your competitors. Um, but I see it. I see the culture set by a founder, and, and and I will say that I see that especially in my own company. Um, you know with our why, our mission and everything we do and, and being in the position of trust that I'm in, cause that's what it is when you're, when you're in management, upper level management, the level management, frontline supervisor type deal, you know, it's your job to embody that and to instill that, um, you know, those lower tiers and echelons. But I think the other piece to it too is, you know, you got to find a company that that's going to work with that. And in insurance, like what you were saying, Jeff, they just care about a number. They just care about the bottom line. CRM is not getting utilized the way CRM can be utilized. You know, that documentation is so important, especially when you're working a massive pipeline. So. so
0: you talked about, you know, these companies are stepping over dimes to try to chase a dollar and hope to get these big gold. And The guy you came in, you had two examples of someone who, was able to close the deal once they had the right energy and then someone who just completely balked on a potential customer because you are shopping for life insurance and respectfully I call dibs but um what especially when it comes to sales and learning the job what role do you think in these two or three examples and then in even your own example a mentor could have a proper mentor could have done for them
1: Again, these are big questions you're asking. You put me on a time limit tonight. I know the last podcast we did was a little lengthy. Um, man, I'll tell you this. You know, I'll give you the best advice that I got. Um, so a buddy of mine, um, his mom was you know a very influential individual for me when you know I was first getting in the workforce, and she was a career saleswoman by trade. Um, and the And the thing that she says, she's like, you can't teach the gift of the gab. Some people can gab and gab and gab and some people can't. I don't think I have that gift at all. Um, But the other piece of it, too, though, is is you just you got to be able to pivot. um, And you have to own when you don't actually know something. A lot of people think that as a salesman, I have to be able to have all the answers and be Johnny on the spot, you know hundred percent, hundred percent of the time. Right. And you don't, um, you'll actually garner more respect and trust from prospects, clients, um, and, and the whole gauntlet during the whole process. And then post-sale, if you actually establish the fact that you are reliable and trustworthy and the best way to do that early on is be like, you know what? That's a really good question. I don't have the answer for you, but let me look into that real quick and I'll get back to you. Uh, just give me to the end of the day or tomorrow. Right. You, you, make it a very defined, um, you know, expectation there. And as a sales mentor, you know, when you're training people, right. That expectation management, um, is one of the most important things that you can instill in someone just getting into sales and SDR, a seasoned account executive, right. Like that, the ability to manage expectations, right. That is the foundation of trust and reinforcement of it. Um, so, Once you follow up with someone though, like you just proved you're worth your yes and you're worth your no to them. Um, And yeah, that's that's a huge piece right there. One of the things too, right? Like if you're breaking into a new industry and you're doing something you've never done before, it would be a good idea to talk to somebody, A, that's been doing that job for a while, but also talk to your end user. Talk to your, you know, people that would be using your product or service. Um, Get an idea for, how they talk, get an idea for um, different nuances of industry lingo, because that'll make you sound like you know what you're talking about. um, And ultimately you eventually will know what you're talking about. But the other piece of it too is part of effective communication is, you know, being able to encode properly um, so that it is, you know, deciphered um, appropriately. So acronyms will get you in trouble, but uh, sometimes a good acronym is, is something that you need. So learn those. Um, And make sure they're not just like a regional acronym, right? So if you're selling like compressed air, compressed gas, obviously, you know, different short forms of those products are pretty known. So if you're making up stuff or using some fancy revolutionary buzzword, right? A lot of people actually don't follow that stuff. Um, And that's where a lot of sales influencers will get people in trouble. It's because they come up with these whiz bang, great ideas, but that's just a good idea fairy talking. So... Stay away from sales, social media, influencers, people.
0: I really hope a lot of people are realizing some of these influencers. Now that the uh, initial like grab has ended from a few years ago, the same thing with like crypto. It it had this big thing for like a year or two, so it had all this potential. And then three, four years later, the same guys are on YouTube trying to sell you how to make money from sitting on your phone at home these same guys are trying to tell you how to close hundred percent of your deals and they're making the same quality YouTube videos for three, four years and it's not performing and you can just see it whenever you re watch some videos.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of that too. I think the other thing too, though, is, is, you know, with emerging technologies, you know, as a sales professional, you can leverage those. So like everybody's talking about chat GPT um, and you know, different things with AI that are coming out. Jasper is another one that's pretty common in sales circles. And, you know, I personally use um, Grammarly. Uh, I think Grammarly is a great tool. I've used it for school. I've used it in the professional setting, Um, you know, just as a way to kind of check my stuff for own and, um, you know, proper speech Um, and, and not proper speech, but proper grammar and, and, uh, You know, different things with that. Because obviously hear me talking about, you know, the written language, you can tell that's not something that I'm super strong with, Um, right? Because the way I talk, I try to type that, it it wouldn't come across the way that I needed it to come across. So, you know, leveraging technology is important. But if you're one of those guys on LinkedIn or um, TikTok or Instagram, right? Or Twitter even, or Reddit, and you're one of those guys that's writing these really lengthy inspirational posts, that looks like it would have taken someone like me or you or Jeff, you know, like a day or two to write. Those were probably written by an AI. Um, the other side to it too, right, is, you know, people that will condemn the old way of doing things in favor of automation, especially when that automation is around outbound um, and lead generation and different things with, um, you know, qualifying you know, outbound uh, sales qualified leads versus market qualified leads, right? Like I can do a lot of really cool things, have a really badass email campaign, have a really great marketing department, and at the end of the day, right? If my sales team, um, especially those that are managing that inbound flow, can't have a human conversation with another human being, um, and speak intelligently about a product without too much pressure, then all that marketing, all those marketing dollars and all that emerging technology doesn't knock the jack. The other piece to it too is I love getting sales emails just because it reminds me that my delete function on my phone still works. And I literally go swipe left, swipe right to delete. Um, And majority of sales and marketing emails, they get deleted. And that's not because I'm an a-hole, but I don't have time to read them all. I get 150, 200 plus emails a day, just in my Outlook to my work email. And that's not counting, you know, what I'm doing on the side with some side business. That's not counting my personal email accounts, right? I don't have time to read all that. You want to get my attention, you better pick up a phone and call me. You want to have a conversation with me or convince me to use you for your product or service, you better pick up a phone and call me. And to be honest, I'm not really anybody. But if you want to get the business of an organization, you got to do the same thing to a decision maker. And the decision maker, quite frankly has even less time than I do, and they don't care. They get 500 of them. So how are you going to differentiate yourself? You call them, you build a relationship, and show you're serious and you're committed. So I could talk to great lengths about it, yeah? it. I'm not saying I'm triggered, but like I see a lot of that discourse, and I avoid it like the plague because at the end of the day, right, Like people are trying to reinvent the wheel, and they're chasing the wrong KPIs.
0: So... <clears throat> in in respect to, to time, because we have been talking for a little mm-hmm. bit, what do you think are some, some key things that you should focus on when you're starting a sales career versus some
1: key things that you need to avoid? I think the first thing is, man, is <clears throat> you better get ready for rejection. Um, you've got to have a short term memory in terms of the last phone call you made and how it made you feel uh, because if it made you feel really good, if it made you feel really bad. You know, you've got to get on to the next call. They get on to the next meeting. Um, you know, you got to be flexible. You got to be willing to work hard and put in the time. And the people that are making the multi-million dollar deals, they're not working nine to five. The people that have the fat pipeline, the people that are working the stacks, the people that are converting and closing, um, depending on their role, right? Like some people are cold to close, full sales cycle, running an island sales model. Some people are running a pod, right, where there's SDRs feeding an account executive or an account manager. So, hey, understanding your role. And your responsibility is important, but putting in the extra time, learning the industry. Um, that's important. You know, coming into healthcare, not knowing anything really about healthcare outside of my very limited scope, I'm working with our medical EMAC teams, right? I didn't know Jack. So I had to put in a lot of hours to learn that, get on a lot of blogs, a lot of forums, start talking, different, you know, healthcare professionals that I would be engaging with on the regular, um, you know, got me where I needed to be. And then understanding my product and just being synonymous about that. Like if you can't recite your product in your sleep, literally, yeah. you know, are you, are you really committed to what you're doing? If you don't understand the why behind what you're doing and the, in the need that you're fulfilling, right. Go get a different job. Like to, to be good at this, you gotta be passionate about something. You gotta find something that intrinsically motivates you or you're just not going to stick with it very long. Is
0: there anything yeah, at all? Will...
2: No, go ahead, man.
0: No, I would say, is there anything that any personal views that you feel like might conflict uh, with taking certain sales strategies or taking a position in sales?
1: Not really. No. Um. I mean, if you don't like people... um. You know, if, if you don't have thick skin, yeah, this isn't the job for you. Um, if you can't be real with yourself and you're fueled by an ego, this isn't really the job for you. I mean, you can be cocky, but at the end of the day, right, like you got to be real honest with yourself and your abilities because, you know, you it, it's a continued process of growth and improvement as the industry continues to change, as your clients' needs continue to change. I mean, I can talk healthcare and that. Right now, you know, based off Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, I know what the probability of me closing a deal is gonna be based off of surgery volume, case volume, different things that the industry looks for at different types of year. When I was selling computers, I had to change my branding, my message. Now I was fed by a billion dollar organization, um, you know, international computing company that had already figured all that out. They already had all the data around it. So we knew that, you know, in springtime, um, computer sales are a little low, but we marketed towards people graduating, getting ready to go to college or getting, going into high school, right? Um, you know, Q1, we marketed more towards businesses looking to revamp technology because they had funding coming in. You know, budgets are in fresh at the beginning of the year. In the summer, mid summer, we start marketing towards schools and returning to college. So, stuff with that. And then in Q4, it's the holidays, right? different things like that, you know, being flexible, uh, being able to change your script. Uh, you know, you did something or you talked something earlier about solution selling. Yeah, it, you can't sell a solution though or you can't sell to a need or a potential need, right? Future-proofing things if you don't do good discovery, so.
0: Jeff, did you have something you wanted to ask?
2: No, yeah, so I was, I was just going to reaffirm what he was saying about, really having thick skin. Um, And you got to also, if you're one of those people that's really hard on yourself, you have to understand that when people say no, don't ever take it as a personal attack. Um, Get comfortable with the word no. Understand that no is, it's just something that you're going to hear. You're going to hear a lot more nos than yeses. And you need to get comfortable with that. And you need to almost love it in a sense, um, because that's a part of your job. Um, and I would say that at least in my experience with, with what I've seen, I think that the sales, I think that most sales start at no, believe it or not. Um, I think when you get an initial, that initial objection, that's where your real skill comes into play. Um, now a lot of, a lot of sales are going to be straight up. no's, like, Hey, no, don't call me. Don't bother me. I'm not interested. Um, and then some people are, uh, some people have a guard up. They have a shield up, right? Who is this guy calling me? Who is this guy trying to pitch me this or sell me this? Um, and like Jared just said, that's where your discovery is going to come in, your research abilities, um, your personality, your likability too. Uh, it's it's like you need a like this formula in order to be able to do this, but uh, you're going to learn it over time. But that's the most important thing. Just get comfortable with no and rejection. Befriend it. Love it. Learn it accept it, embrace it. It's, it's like the most biggest and most important part of this whole thing is, is that, um, I think it makes you better in the end. I think a lot of us are not used to hearing no or being rejected. And, uh, that's what discourages a lot of people, but it's a big part of it. I kind of like it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's a challenge with that. And uh, the last thing, because we are, are at time now, the last thing I want to leave you know you guys with and, and any of your listeners that are thinking about getting into sales or you know a very um, competitive uh, customer-facing position is this. The best thing you can do is kind of be like a dog, right? So think about animals. It's pressure release, pressure release. No one to apply pressure, no one to back off. But the other thing, too, is when you're meeting with a customer, whether it's someone that you're meeting for the first time, or someone that you're meeting again that you know, or someone that you've had a conversation with, but you've talked to a thousand people since then, so you don't remember their name, always be excited to see somebody. Always be excited. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm happy to talk to you. I love what I'm doing. Even if it's the worst day of my life today because my goldfish died, I'm happy to talk to you. And I'm here to talk to you because I'm supposed to be here and you're supposed to listen to me, right? You set that tone, right? Think about it. People walk up on a dog. They always want to pet the dog the dog is there the dog is going to be there and it is your time to be there in that moment cuz you are supposed to be there in that moment with the dog right yeah i think it's kind of funny jeff and i
0: literally talked today and it was like be a toddler when you talk to somebody in a sales position that my my son was on the phone and we got a snack he was like you going to do this today bubba yeah are you happy about this yeah like just he's got to be energetic and happy and willing to go with whatever the person's saying and not lie, obviously, but just, just be in that that mindset to just accept everything with a smile and it's just the best way to approach it.
2: Yeah. yeah, enthusiasm goes a long way. I think, what's that called? That golden retriever energy? Just bring that.
1: The golden retriever energy. And you know what? At the end of the day too, smile. It can yeah. You can hear a smile if I'm talking like this versus if I'm talking like this. All I did was smile, right? And it's conveying in the way your jaw is held, how your teeth... Uh, move and your lips move right you know people can hear that the other piece to it too is uh going back to what i said at the beginning of the episode if you make somebody laugh now they're smiling now you're smiling and subconsciously we're just vibing so well
0: thank you for all the nuggets of knowledge you gave it i hope uh not only myself but some other people that listen to the podcast can take something from it so Very happy to have you back on. I know we're going to have you uh, on again. Hopefully it's not a year with big busy schedules, but I know we'll have you back on again soon. So thank you, Jared. Hey, TJ, Jeff. Thanks for having me on here, guys. Good seeing you, man. Good seeing you.